I was just gonna say I would add that for lesbians that we just haven't met the right guy yet or slept with the uh, right guy yet. that feels yeah oh, I'm gonna so, yeah I'm so totally gross. Gonna not, I've tried I have a hundred percent tried <laughs> <laughs> maybe I haven't met the right one I don't know <laughs> oh as a person who previously identified as a lesbian like whose sexual experience with men is limited to a hand job that I gave to a guy in college my freshman year. Like uh, I could not have been more uninterested in the experience while it was happening. It was the least exciting thing. And I was like, I'm good. Like versus the sexual experiences I've had with women or with vulva owners, like, fuck. Yeah. Like no yeah. thanks to anything. Yeah. yeah. This is so funny. I got to say, if my sexual experience with penis owners was limited to one hand job, I also would be uninterested. <laughs> so Correct. Welcome to the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast, your place for real talk and conscious conversations about shit that really matters. I'm Amanda Catherine Loy, your resident queerdo, nonconformist, and trauma-informed coach for folks who are tired of the fucking shoulds and are craving something more. Stick around for all things relationship anarchy, coming out later in life, moving through the mess, and beyond. You ready? Here we go. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to episode 159 and what honestly might be my favorite episode to date, I um I know I've said this a lot lately in past episodes, um, but I could not feel more emotional and more grateful um, about this conversation that you're about to witness between me and and three people who are really really important humans in my life. They are deep loves of my life um, and a part of my circle of not just, you know, a constellation of like inner circle people, but also part of my my closest circle of queer folks in my life, um, one of which is a former partner of mine, um, one of which is my queer platonic partner that you met not too long ago on the pod, and the other is my platonic life partner, which you will likely recognize from many episodes of the podcast and from some of our work that we've done together over the myriad of years that we've been friends. Um, <laughs> I didn't know until this episode was happening and after I was sitting with it how much I needed this conversation from my heart. Um, you know, I, I constantly am having conversations around queerness and around what it is to uh, be <laughs> in this world as a queer person, but also just as a human um, with my people. But often because of how my life has sort of come to pass, it, it happens in these really deep, really beautiful one-on-one experiences that I have. Um, many of my deep relationships are long-distance ones, and um, two of these people are are of, as such. Um, and it is a rare thing to be able to have a group of my closest beings in space together and Every time it happens, whether it's on something like this or in person, 
I find myself doing a lot of sitting back and witnessing. Um, ooh, getting emotional. And just being so fucking grateful. <laughs> so grateful for these people that I have in my world, for what they bring to the table, for how they express themselves, for their thoughts and values and what I learn from them, what we learn by being in space together, um, what we learn in collaboration. And um, it was really, it, it, it was really just an, uh, this conversation reminded me of that in so many beautiful ways. Um, so yeah, I, I want to just get the fuck right to it. Um, because this is a longer conversation, um, but one that I really encourage you to strap in. Um, not only do we just like talk about these big topics around queerness and just being a human in this time, um, we also answer a lot of your questions that you reached out to. All things from, you know, navigating uh, bisexuality and the difference between bisexuality and pansexuality, um, navigating comp het in queer dynamics, uh, really getting into like how we view the differences around sexual, romantic, and platonic partnerships and relationships. Um, we talk about internalized homophobia, uh, the idea of hierarchy, and not just getting my perspective on this, but also like what commitment has looked like for these folks and what commitment looks and feels like to them. Um, and yeah, just a deep exploration of, of how the patriarchy has really impacted our world. Um, and uh, also a shit ton of really personal stories. <laughs> You'll learn a lot about some of my interpersonal relationships that... Um, that you've never heard before. And, um, and I love, I loved reliving these stories with them and, um, and hearing them tease me and all of that good stuff. So yeah, without further ado, here we fucking go. Hi babies. Okay. Happy pride. I feel like I just have to start by saying that because <laughs> it's pride baby. You're, they're all dancing like quietly. Oh, thank you. Kels. <laughs> It's funny because this is now the second time I've recorded with like not just me and one other person. And I feel like sometimes when that happens, it's kind of like, how do we know when to talk? You need like a signal or something. Um, but yeah, I fuck, I'm I'm really excited to have you all here. It also feels very emotional for me to have you all here because the three of you of course, I'm starting to cry already like two minutes in. Um, just the three of you all are like people that I feel like are soulmates of mine in like different ways. Um, and to be able to have all three of you have been such vibrant, massive pieces of my own life um, in, and also in my queer life, my queer existence, like the three of you, I would say more than anyone else on the planet have been such monumental pieces of me coming into my queerness, me owning my queerness, me reveling in my queerness, um, and me celebrating my queerness. And so it just feels really, really, really wonderful to have the three of you here 
to just talk genuinely like selfishly, but also um, to share all of you in this kind of a way um, with the Live Your Fuck Guest Life community and be talking about what it is to be queer and what queerness means to us and stuff um, with the fucking three of you. So yeah, thank you all for being here. Thanks You're for welcome. having us. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So since there are three of you, do we want to just do like short introductions? Two of you have been on the pod before. One of you kind of has, but I don't know if it, I feel like it was sort of semi-anonymous. Yeah. You were in the like pride, pride roundup for episode 100 um, back in the day. Um okay. But yeah, do you want to just like kind of go around and an intro real quick? Rach, since you've been on the podcast the most and like the earliest, do you want to start? Sure. Any specifics? You yeah, whatever, whatever comes up for you, whatever feels good. <laughs> um, hello, my name is Rachel. My last name is Wright. <laughs> my favorite color is purple. <laughs> oh my God, I hate you. How do you relate uh, to me, <laughs> dummy? <laughs> um so amanda and i oh man i this is a very long story i will okay we'll just say with the present and then we can get into whatever if we get into it um amanda is who i call my platonic life partner um she is someone who i love very deeply uh we have done business partnerships together we have been there for each other in major life transitions um we have not been there for each other in major life transitions um we've been through a lot together and she's one of those people that i would do anything for and love dearly um and i'm just i'm really happy to be here i also came out on this podcast you sure like years did. ago i know like kind of on accident but not really kind of um <laughs> it was wild so you know cheers i should link i'll, I'll link all of our previous podcast episodes because i feel like that's just a been a journey in and of itself i think this might be like your fourth or fifth maybe more i think I don't so know. i've like grown up as a queer and non-monogamous person on this podcast like the check-ins have been like Hey, guess what? I'm by. Oh, now I have three partners. Nope. Now I have two partners. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like it's just kind also, of this, like, like we didn't talk for a year. Let's talk yeah. about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, that was an emotional. I remember recording that with you and being like, how yeah, we were just like sobbing for an hour is basically how that went. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm so happy to be here. And Yay. I'm happy to be here with with these humans to to talk about all this. Yay. And then, yeah, Cal, since you were most recently also on the pod, yeah, you can kind of sort of intro, but you were recently like three episodes ago, I feel like was your episode. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was like, yeah, two or three. Um, but hello again, listeners. I'm Kelsey Irvy. I uh, am Amanda's queer platonic partner. And uh, and what has happened since we recorded last? Since we recorded, I got my tits chopped off <laughs> yeah I am uh I am getting my drains out tomorrow I'm so excited I've been out in the world a little bit excited to be out in the world more feeling great my new body healing well so I'm happy about that and uh yeah I feel like everyone got to know me really well a couple episodes ago but I'm really excited to sit down again and chat about all things queer with these they people. look so good they look so good I can't yeah. even tell you it's just oh, it's been such a gift to get to be like next to you through this whole process yeah it's been a gift for me too <clears throat> cool and last but not least 
Oh gosh. Well, I'm Kristen Hubbard. Um, contemplating going by the name Cam, but we won't do that for today. Um, I, love, I love you. <laughs> the contemplation will never end with, with Kay. <laughs> I'm soft launching the name on a new Instagram soon, but it's fine. Um, but yeah, so Amanda and I connected three years ago. Yeah. And yeah, so we connected in a way where we just had this really deep connection and I was really interested in her as more than a friend. And so we actually were partners for a few months and then that did not work out in that way. Um, But we stayed friends kind of, I kind of had a weird couple of years, so I was a little bit distant for a while, but recently um, coming back around and just really grateful to be um, a part of your world. And yeah, that's me. Yeah. Kristen's also an incredible poet. Um, and we'll be linking all of, you know, all of the goods, whatever you guys want to share, um, in the show notes, but to be connected with, if people want to connect with y'all, um, but yeah, you should definitely absorb her poetry because it is life-changing. Um, yeah. Yay. Interest. Mostly because I also want like people to know when who's talking, whose voice is coming through. And I think mm-hmm. that's helpful. <laughs> um, and all the stuff instead of us having to be like, it's Kristen, it's Kels. Um I'm gonna mimic everyone's voice. Yeah, just to make on. it confusing <laughs> for everyone. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm now I'm gonna try. <laughs> yeah, Kels, I feel like that is now the challenge of the day. <laughs> Can I sound like everybody on? I can definitely sound like Amanda. I was about to say you've done very good impressions of me. Before. I have actually. Yes. Kelsey does yeah. like the best Amanda Instagram story impression it's of me. True. Apparently, I do. It's a tell I have when I'm on video. Oh yeah. Yes. Do you want to tell yeah. everybody what this is? Because I didn't realize I did this. Well, it's so. a. It's hard for the people listening because it's a visual thing. Is but it this? It's 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 yeah. the. Oh my god! Called out. Cold this thing. Out. Yeah. It's 100%. like a constant. For people listening, it's, is it a it's a constant like fixing of like, the hair and pulling it to the side, but yeah. then specifically this move, like it's yeah. you shuffle it into just over your eyeball, like <laughs> it's so <laughs> sick. And it's what's amazing is that it's it's already there when you start to do it again, like it has not moved. <laughs> I think it's just more of like a fixation for my hands. I've always liked to have my hair in my hands. Like even as a kid, I would like twirl my hair. Like, it, yeah. So it's, you're like, also I, like staring at your face and I weird. think we get, you know, we look at ourselves <laughs> and we're like, I must look away. I mean, I do it while we're on a zoom call. I'll be constantly doing this. So it's like, I do the same thing, but it's very it's funny to watch you. So that. funny yeah. that like, I had no idea I did this until Kels was like, yeah, your Instagram story tells are the weirdest tells of your, of all. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> just because I like to give you shit <laughs> yeah truly really, yeah. such a loving part of our relationship yeah um okay okay I uh, I so we have questions that you all have asked listeners have asked um that we're gonna get to later um but the reason I wanted to do an episode like this is because I, I I have all these conversations with all of you individually and also other people in my community around what it is to be queer, what queerness feels like, the different flavors of queerness, um, all sorts of conversations about platonic love versus romantic love, what it is to be bi in a straight passing relationship, um, what it is to be queer when you look very like femme and on femme and all, just all sorts of these conversations that are 
really, really meaningful to me in my own expansion of what it is to be queer for myself, of understanding my queerness, of understanding the world of queerness around me. And I know that so many people ask these same questions because literally so many of them are the same ones that I started asking myself or continue to ask myself. Um, And so I really just wanted to create a space with people that I really trust and respect and have learned so much from um, to be able to just talk about this stuff openly, candidly. um, And, um, and yeah, and hopefully those of you listening, it will spark something inside of you to ask yourself deeper, maybe bring up in in your partnerships, in your friendships. um, And if you are listening and you are not queer, First of all, welcome. Um, I just think it's so beautiful for folks who come into spaces and want to learn more about identities that are not their own. And I just encourage you to to listen and hear what it is to have these kind of experiences that that maybe you don't resonate with, or maybe you do. Um, and and also to remember that these are just four unique perspectives, and that there are so 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 many more that are not represented in this space today. Um, so yeah, I guess to start, I I would just love to open up like what does queerness mean to you? I know it's a really vague, really broad topic, but I I think it's a really important one. Like what does yeah, what does queerness mean to you as an individual, how you move through the worlds and beyond? This one's actually pretty simple for me, so I'll I'll jump in. Yeah. It means not being a part of what is considered the quote unquote norm in our society. Um, And for me, that comes pretty holistically. Like most of me is what is not considered the norm, uh, whether that is my red hair or my non-monogamy or my sexual orientation. Um, I'm just not the norm of our world. Um, And so queer for me is really not just my sexual orientation and a part of my sexuality, but a part of me as a human too. Yeah, I think to piggyback on that, I think I would say something very similar. I know this is a question you ask at the end of all of your episodes, but I think it is like a, I think for me, it is a subversion and a like, um, oh, what is the word? A rejection of the norm, of the like pushing away from what society has told us is standard, is acceptable, is, you know, et cetera. And going with, and I know I spoke on the episode that I was on about like choice is a big part of it for me. Um, the ability to have autonomy and choose how you move through the world, how you shape your body, et cetera. And, uh, and so I think it's, yeah, it's like moving exactly what Rachel said. It's like subverting the norm. Yeah. I would, I would second all of those things. And I think just for me too, it's really living into the authenticity of who I am, which is what you, you are saying. Um, even though it doesn't fit the narrative of who I should be or what's quote unquote normal. Um, it feels like a nod to just full expression, even if it's a little weird in society's standards, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And what about you, Amanda? Yeah. What were you going to say, Kels? I was just going to say, it's so interesting. The like, 
you know, queer was such a slur. Yes. You know, in, in that way that was like, oh, it's weird or it's abnormal or et cetera, you know? And so it was like calling people queer was used so regularly in such a slur way. And I feel like I love the reclamation of that word. Yeah. Um, and also because it's like, we are in a sense sort of saying that, right. It's like, yeah, like any odd bit of Mm. our lives, odd, Mm. (laughs) you know, being used, you know, very like liberally in quotes, um is I think like that's the embrace of queer right and I just love that like we as as a community have like reclaimed that word for ourselves yeah I think it's it's interesting because I don't feel like I fully felt myself in the LGBTQIA space until I I adopted queer as an identity marker like when I first came out it was bi And I still feel very pulled to that identity marker also for similar reasons, because I feel like bi gets a bad rap and also a misunderstood rap, which we will talk about later. Um, But I I think queerness to me felt like this wholeness because when I think of queerness for me, it's all the things you've said and it's politics for me. It's how I, it's resistance. It's saying fuck your systems and fuck the things that old white men have built that don't serve so, so, so many people of various identity markers of various races and fuck these systems that have been built on, on, on those things. Like, I don't agree with them. I don't feel like I feel a part of them. I have always felt anti them and resistant to them, both in ways that I knew and acknowledged and also ways that I didn't understand, but I always was like, this doesn't feel right. Like, I I don't like this, that this is how this is. I don't know why I don't like this, but I know it doesn't feel right. And so I think queerness for me is like, it's this whole piece of resistance of the, really resistance of the patriarchy, right? It's like, I live my whole life in antithesis to that. And it's why every decision I've made and every path that has made sense to me um, over my lifetime and as I've awakened to my queerness, to the, the problems of the systems of the world have continued to resist, right? So for me, it's it feels like this liberation coming home feeling as much as this like resistance to the norm, which I think so many of you shared so beautifully. Yeah. Is a lot. I think it's fascinating because I think like when we think of queerness and we think of being in the space, like I heard you all say the words weird, other, different right and and I'm I'm over here being like I always feel like people who are not in in these spaces are the weird ones like I'm like how do you not it's fast you know it's and I'm and so I've been reclaiming the word weird for so long because I'm like well if this is weird then this is what feels really normal and right to me and to so many people so it's like I'm curious like do you do any of you feel like you do interact with or feel pulled to or in line with any of the quote-unquote like normal ways of life like these systems or any of this 
Because I, you know, I think it's an, it's an interesting thing. It's like, oh, we're so resistant to that, but it's like, do we in any way feel part of the mainstream, like aligned with any of the mainstream way of quote unquote being? Everyone is pondering. I think I do. Yeah, I do. I, I want to have kids. Um, and that to me feels very like, yeah, I've wanted that for a long time. And, you know, as a, this woman, that's like, what is quote unquote to be expected, which I don't like. Um, yeah. and that's not why I want kids personally. Um, but I, I do know that that is the the system um, that frankly, if, you know, I said, oh, I don't want kids, you know, oh, are you sure? You know, like that whole thing. Um, but that's the first thing that popped into my head was like, yeah, yeah, I want kids. Um, and I, I definitely, I mean, I own a home with my two partners. So while it's still two people and not one person, it's still like this kind of oh, we moved out of the city and we're in suburbia and like, we're going to have a kid and like that thing. <laughs> Even though again, like I don't necessarily subscribe to it as a system. It just like happens to be what has worked for me and my family. Um, yeah. But uh, from the outside, I suppose you could say it's, you know, leaning into that. But those are the only ones I could think of, I think. Mm -hmm. I would say... I think after exploration, I think monogamy is totally for me. Um, but again, not for like, not for the reasons of this is what's right or what you should do. I think I've explored enough to recognize that while I have a new relationship to what I think romantic partnerships look like um, in terms of like no hierarchy over other relationships I do think romantically, I want a life partner, one life partner. Um, I do want a, a house with them. And I don't know if I want a family, but I do really think I want, you know, a couple dogs and maybe a little farm with them or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some little chickens and <laughs> a, a little baby goat. <laughs> maybe just maybe a, a pony. Like a garden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, I feel like I'm in a interesting chapter of evaluation. And so there are lots of things I think I'm like, both breaking away from to like, expand my understanding of self, and then getting to ask myself, like, is this thing I've been told for a very long time that I should want actually what I want? And I think I've come to answers about some of those things, like realizing I I don't want children was a big one for me, which I think I had always, I had been sort of a person who was like, no, I really want kids. Like that always really felt like it. And I think like if I met somebody and like uh, they had a partner who had kids, I would, that would be a different conversation, like to co-parent, but in that way. But I think in terms of like having my, like either carrying a child or like, you know, being with somebody who is like adamant on wanting kids, I think that would be, I don't think that would be for me. But I think, I guess to answer your question, like I could totally see myself getting married. Like in terms of like the, I think I, I think some of it's just the romantic in me <laughs> is I just sort of dream of like a person being like you and I mean, being like me. Um, and so, <laughs> and that being it. <laughs> 
Um, but that that's doesn't... it. That's how it goes too. Yeah, it's just I, like that's that. right. I, that's what I assume. That's what the movies tell me. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And Amanda I think... and I can both tell you. It's yeah, exactly exactly how it like that, right? True. <laughs> so, yeah, <I'm> speci- <laughs> that that's specifically about the wedding and less about the marriage. Um, but uh, but I think yeah, I think that idea of like you know chosen commitment is exciting to me. Um, but I also, it's fun to be in a space to recognize in terms of this chapter evaluation for myself of like, I don't need that. And that doesn't mean I want to be without the other people in my life. I think in terms of like a hierarchical sort of standpoint. Um, and so in that way, I still sort of, you know, move away from it. But I think if it came up in my life, I would welcome the opportunity. Mm. Yeah. That's so interesting. You say like the commitment piece, because uh, something I wanted to kind of dive into, and we've all kind of used this language is like this exploration of like platonic love, romantic love, and then like love that's also intertwined with sex. And I think a conversation I've been having a lot and, and um, I don't know, I would say conversation so much as like reading a lot of people's very staunch beliefs around the impossibility of platonic love being any level of commitment that's alike, something that has sex as a part of it, um, has been so fascinating to me. (laughs) Um, And I think that's something that has, for me, been really modeled by the queer community is this like reverence for platonic love and like we are love looking and feeling and being different and also sometimes not at all sometimes very much still living in that very like mononormative very heteronormative space but it's just like in queer dynamics and so I'm curious whoever wants to say anything about this like how do you distinguish or do you distinguish love in those ways for yourself and in your own experiences of love and 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 specifically centering around like the idea of commitment um what does that look like for you and and whatever I can also start if everyone's kind of needs a moment to ponder (laughs) I have I definitely have something to say I know you do Um, well, cause I think like, not only was I sort of decided to join some of the commentary on some of the things that you were posting on your social media, which I don't ever do, but this specific instance, I certainly was like, I have Else something to like, say. I will say all the things <laughs> yes. now. Here are the photographs. Um, <laughs> and it was, and it was, yeah. And it was good for me because it just helps me clarify things about your other relationships and your, you know, how I feel about other relationships in your life. So anyway, but I think like, and I hope this is answering the question that you asked. So let me know if I go off on a tangent, but like, I was thinking about this and like, I remember there was a day where when you saw your house where I'd come over and I was like, okay, I've been thinking about this. this and I was like, all the time, <laughs> I analyze everything. I'm very much a sapiosexual and that I am like very intellectualizing every single thing in my life. And so I came over and I was like, okay, I have some thoughts. And I was like, I read Amanda, this whole thing that I wrote on my phone so that I could remember everything I wanted to say. But then I was like, specifically, the thing that I really want to emphasize is like, I have been told my entire life slash we are always told our entire lives that it's either friend or it's sexual partner. And like, there's, that's it. 
And like what I realized through like various like reflection and reading and just like getting sort of various like, you know, thoughts on the subject from different people is that it's not that it's like a spectrum. And the reason that I felt so strongly about that is because like when Amanda and I's dynamic shifted at the beginning of our relationship, I was like, you're not my friend. Like, I can't just continue to do what we're doing and call you a friend. That feels really false. It just like does not feel true. And I don't even mean like, you're my bestie. Like, that's like, that feels so reductive to how I feel about you, to how I see us like moving forward. And also we're not having sex. So what the fuck does that mean? (laughs) You know, and at that point we didn't really have an answer for like what we then decided eventually came to like discover queer platonic partner. But it was like, I still was just so like, and I'd never felt that before. And I've had deep, meaningful relationships that I would consider like my best friends. And I still have those relationships, but like, it's not on a commitment level, how I navigate with you or like, and, and you're sort of the only example I have of that in my life. I'm Kristen and Rachel might have others, but I think that like, the fact that I think about you in that framework and that I consider you and, you know, when I'm, you know, and not just to like, Hey, I want to tell you about this thing I'm thinking about. It's like, no, let's talk about how it will impact us. That feels different than just a friendship, you know, with people, which is like, Hey, sometimes we go different directions in life and like that happens. And, you know, I believe that we will survive. And of course, like something inevitably changes, which like, of course can happen in partnerships too, but I don't know. There's just something about like, that's what I think of when I think of the commitment, which is like, it's a deeper, it's a deeper level of love because it is a consciousness of this person is who I want to do things with. Mm-hmm. This person is who I want to share things with. And this person is, you know, like a genuine puzzle piece in my life that I am building. So I I don't know if that answers the question, but. Mm -hmm. Love that. Yeah, I love that too. I think for me, I actually like really deeply um, relate and agree to a lot of what you said, Kelsey. And also for me personally, I don't think that the amount of love that I have for someone is equal to the level of commitment I have for someone. Um, I don't think that those two things go together for better and worse. Yeah. Like I, I, I do think that there have been plenty of times in my life and Amanda's probably like nodding your neck off right now that the, my love has been a lot more than my ability to follow through on commitment. Um, and vice versa, right? Like, and you, I would people... love for you to say, like, after you speak, like, I'd love for you to say yeah. more, expand upon that. Cause I'm curious about what you mean by that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and, and the inverse too, like where I've been able to maintain a commitment in a relationship, but the love is like, and it's like that dissonance between those two, I think can exist in a healthy and, and, um, I don't like the word normal, but for lack of not pausing to find the exact right word, we'll say in normal way, um, in terms of ebbs and flows in life. But I also think that that can be crappy sometimes because it creates, um, on the other side of it, like, wait, no, like, I know the love that's here. Like, why aren't you showing up? Or why are you showing up so much 
when like there's not a lot of love here um and and those cannot go together so i i guess one example um would be like so i amanda is like top higher echelon of people in my life that i care about and love like amount quantity of love is like top top billing with amanda and i can name easily times where I have not been able to show up for with um for Amanda in a way that represents or demonstrates that love in behavior. And I don't think I would have been able to fully articulate that a couple of years ago. Um I think that it's taken me a little while to realize that those two things can be like the intent to commit and the intent to show the love that I feel can be there without the follow through and how hurtful that can be and what an impact that can make. Um, and, you know, it doesn't really matter reasons, right? Like we all have reasons that pop up. Some of them are very legitimate and some of them are not. And that's, is what it is. Um, but even, even thinking about somebody like my, you know, family of origin, like my mom and I, I don't think my parents will listen to this, but whatever. Sorry, parents. Um, <laughs> my mom and I are like objectively closer than me and my dad and like objectively. And yet, like we kind of talk the same amount hmm. and not to say like, oh, I love my mom so much more, but like, I kind of do, you know, like, eh. um, it, so yeah, it's, it's not always proportionate, but what I will say is that I think that as I have done more work on myself and really allowed myself to grow in terms of my relationships, not being in a hierarchy of what society has programmed that I am able to express both the level of love and my ability to commit in two separate columns and to not necessarily have the assumption on either end that those two are the same or that those two are always going to be the same. Um, and that while I would like them to be the same, <laughs> the majority of the time, um, that that for me as a person in the life that I live and in the brain that I have is just not going to be um, realistic. And so to set that expectation from the get, I think is, or as soon as possible um, is important. Yeah. Well, especially now that you have the language for it, it like mm. is so great. Yeah. And beautiful. I'm going to be thinking about that. You know, I don't know if I have, a lot to add because Rach, I really identify with like your experience of the depth of love being there, but the, that like commitment and that lack of follow through or the, the lack of ability to have the follow through. Mm -hmm. um, and then adversely being super committed, but not feeling the depth of that love. And like Kels, when you were talking, I was just like, that sounds so beautiful. Like the, like, like I was like, oh man, and my friendships, like, I don't know if I've, this is all kind of newer to me, but I don't know if I've ever really thought about, well, how will this impact us in my friendships? Um, like I've always just kind of been, how does it affect my family? Maybe. And how does it affect my romantic partner? 
Um, so I just really am grateful for those perspectives because I, I want to really be more committed in my friendships. I think I have this story of the majority of people in my world are cis, hetero, married people. So I like our friendship is not always a priority and and not in a victim way. It's just, they have families, they have all of these other things going on. Um, so it's just really eye-opening to me to hear these perspectives and experiences and like, yeah, expand into them on my own. So I appreciate that from both of you. Yeah. It's also like really cool to hear you all talk about this because I also have like such individual experiences with the three of you in these ways and beyond. And so, yeah. Um, something I also wanted to add to this that, um, has been a really big through line for me and been really confusing for many people in my life is when I feel a deep closeness, like the kind of love that you've heard all three of them talk about, right? It never has not looked like romantic love for me. Like I have always been in romantic love with my deep people. And I think as a society, we have centered and sort of squished in romantic love with sexual uh, intertwinedness. And for me, that's not always looked like that for various reasons. Either I was not owning my queerness, did not have that pull, or it just like was a part of it and then it wasn't a part of it or whatever it is. Like I've had so many varying dynamics in my life, but the people that I have and have had that have been centered in my life in big, deep love ways, I cannot think of one that has not been romantic for me. And it's not been confusing for me because I just was like, yeah, don't you don't you feel this? I I thought people were weird when they were not feeling this way, right? Because of course, all you know is your own shit, right? And so the moment that people were like, well, how can you feel romantically towards me, but not want to have sex? Or how, if we're having sex, can you then be romantic and cuddling on the couch and holding hands with this person? Or like going to a show of theirs and bringing them flowers for opening night, like the, the, the type of romantic gestures that we would qualify as like, will you do that for your romantic partner? And I'm like, well, in that case, all of my people in my inner constellation are my romantic partners, like at, from that language. Right. Um, and that doesn't really cut it for a lot of people. Like they just don't understand it. Um, and so for me, it's like, that's the constant in my love. And then if we are platonic or sexual is the thing that like, to be honest, doesn't really matter to me. Um, it's like, if that's not there, if that's not reciprocated, then it's not going to feel like the deep love that I need to receive, right? I need a deep romantic love in all of my committed relationships. And I would qualify all three of you on this, on the, in this space committed relationships in my constellation um even though what that commitment is and looks like is different and that's because of a variety of things right 
Um, Can I ask you a question, Amanda? Yeah, of course. How do you define the word romantic? Um, it's a good question. Yeah. I mean, I actually, before this, I researched what romantic, like the definition of romance. You researched, you looked it up in the dictionary. I looked it up in the dictionary. (laughs) In your encyclopedia. And 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 it was like such a weird definition. It was like, it was like something that is very mysterious in your life. And I was like, strange (laughs) like this is not how I would have qualified romance but also also and also and I think Kristen and I have had probably the most conversations about this like all of the relationships that I have in my life or have had in my life that exist in this way do feel like they exist on a plane that is outside of earth like it's this I can't really describe the feeling I I have when I'm in partnership with this person, when I am speaking to this person, when I am in space with this person. But it is something that just like goes beyond the day-to-day rigmarole, right? It's like I feel the most alive in presence with these people. I can also be the most myself in my romantic all my relationships right and for me like romance is like I'm thinking of you all the time and I I when you're sick I want to take care of you and when you have a momentous occasion in your life I will be there for you in the way that I know sits with your heart the most it's I will send you a a letter out of the blue or I will, I watch you do something and it will make me want to make art. Um, uh, being around you inspires me to be more myself or to think bigger and brighter. Um, it's, I want to be close to your body. I, I, you know, it's all of those things. And I don't think I've ever had a relationship in my life where those things have not been true. That has also been committed and significant. And I'm, and I, many of those are, are, and have been platonic. Um, yeah. And so I guess that's off the cuff, what romance is for me. No, thank you. I, I, you know, in a lot of the couples that I work with that are moving from monogamy into non-monogamy, they'll often say things like, oh, well, we're going to create an agreement where things are only sexual and not romantic. And I like take a quick, like, oh, cause you know, when you ask what romance means, usually like, Amanda, you're incredibly articulate. And I could tell that you were like, reaching to try to find words to put to this really hard to describe experience. And you are amazing with your words on so many different levels. And so whenever I ask this question, I like often get like a very blank stare back, like, well, okay, so what does romance mean? And they're like, "Mm." and like five minutes will go by. And it's like, I don't know, like candlelit dinners or like walks on the beach holding hands like like pina coladas uh, it's so hard to to say so when you described having most of your relationships significant committed relationships have this romantic uh experience with it I was just yeah so thank you thank you for answering that yeah Mm. 
Can I, oh, can I, I want to respond to something Rachel said earlier. I've been stewing on the commitment, love, while listening, but I also am just like, you know, working double time. And, uh, and so I'm curious, Rachel, if in just response to what you said about like love versus commitment and those things not always necessarily being in line with each other. Um, do you think that is because of like, like not being able to be in service to the other? Like, is that when you think of, when you think of commitment? No, not necessarily. And like showing up. That's part of it for sure. Um, that is definitely part of it. But even in like a, even in like a, I've been thinking about this person for two straight days, but I haven't sent a text to say hi, even though I've thought of them like 128 times in the last Mm. 48 hours. Like the, the internal experience is not like reflective, which is why when I hear things like, well, if they wanted to, they would. I'm like, no, not always. That's not true. Sometimes totally. there's just stuff. In the- like, yeah. So it, it it sometimes is like literal commitment in terms of like, I said, I was going to call it five and I didn't call it five. Like sometimes it's like that. Sure. Um, but more often, I think it's actually the other, which is like the outside behavior and actions is not in alignment with the internal experience of both emotion and cognition. Hmm. I'm laughing so hard and I truly, it was keeping Kristen and I were just like, I was like, we were having a moment. So like when we, we, Kristen and I like never stopped being in connection post our like official partnership. Um, I never felt like that really ended for me, but it did in terms of like commitment in terms of like how we showed up, like we're speaking to each other, I guess, in consistency. And like there were text check-ins here and there, but it was not at the level of which I think either of us were hoping it would be for a while and when we came back to connection in like a much deeper way more recently this was like I've been wanting to send you this song for like (laughs) a year and a half because something that like really bonded us when we first met was like our both shared love of music and like we would send songs it was like such a part of our love language um, which is true of many of my relationships. It's like, I need music <laughs> to be the central figure here. But it was so, it was hugely part of our, our like way of talking to each other. And, um, and so it was just so great. And it just made me laugh so hard. Was that what you were also thinking about? I was thinking about that. And then I was like, I literally on like Friday of last week was like, oh, I should reach out to Amanda and see if we should have a phone call soon. Cause like, we haven't talked on the phone since our, and then I never did. And then <laughs> last night you texted me and I was just I was like, like you around. I want to talk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it happens all the time. And I'm like, oh my God, now I'm just the asshole. That's always like, yeah, yeah. no, I miss you too. Like, I swear to God, I've been thinking about you for four and a half days. It's yep. yeah. Yeah. I feel you. Right. Uh, more to ponder on commitment and love and what it is to love for all of us listening and all of us sitting here (laughs) Um, well and it's so I like just to say it and this is not to blow smoke up my own ass I think I have a different experience so I just want to like name that which is like I think I'm I think I when I think of the person I reach out like I like and obviously like I'm sure there are instances I'm not remembering this moment I have terrible memory where it's like that isn't the case but I feel like like when it comes to like the 
you know, even if it's a person that's like, oh man, I haven't talked to someone in a long time. Like I send them a text. It's just like, think I'm it of the you same way. or whatever, you know? And so it's just like, it's, it's interesting. Cause I'm also, I'm also having this experience right now where I've just gone through this major like surgery and major event in my life. And, and to be really honest, like have been disappointed in the lack of show up from people mm-hmm. I thought would show up for me. And it's been really sad, <laughs> frankly. Um, cause it's made me feel very lonely and, yeah. And has put pressure on like other relationships in my life and in ways that I don't want it to. And, and like, it's, and it's, you know, made me think, oh, like, do I need to like rethink what this friendship is? Because like, I really thought so-and-so would show up for me, even if it was just like a phone call or a FaceTime. And, and I'm talking like people who I thought were like significant people in my life and they haven't and it's like a bummer and so I'm sort of like uh, but it's like nice to hear like that is a thing and I know it is but like everyone has a life and like things come up and like you know it's not personal but it doesn't make it like any less hard but it does feel personal it does yeah well it's happening to you so it is personal like totally it may not be about you on the other side of it, like from their conscious thought process, but you as the other person not receiving that, like that, that is personal. Yeah, totally. But it's, but it's again, the the love commitment thing. That's, I I appreciate the language for that. I'm going to be sitting with that. Kelsey, I really appreciate you sharing that. And I, I got to just name, I feel like super envious because it, it, I, there is like a, a, synapse connection that like lacks like it's not like I think oh I'm thinking of this person oh I should text them oh I won't like there's no no, yeah but like it doesn't it's like oh I'm thinking of this person and like 25% of the time it's like so I'll text them or so I'll call them and like 75% it's just like oh I love them and like that's the end of the thought sure I'm I'm so envious and like in such a great way of your of your experience of that and just think it's wonderful but just to like affirm you I do think there's a difference between like I love thinking of someone and wanting to reach out that's (laughs) true you know what I mean like I think there's like funny like when you're like oh that was a funny moment I had with seven years ago (laughs) or like when you dream about your ex that you absolutely do not want to talk to which happened to me three times this week let's talk about yeah and like versus like (laughs) oh my god I have to text you know and like you know check in or it's been so fucking long you know whatever and then, and then it's like nice to get the occasional text from a person who you have not heard from in a long time, who is like, oh my gosh, like checking in, how's it going? And you're like, I wasn't thinking about you, but it's so nice to hear from you. And now yeah. I am thinking about you. So just like, I feel like just like, we can all give ourselves some grace with that. But yeah. I, I think the experience is there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think like the biggest through line of all this, and this is true of all relationships is like how we feel love and then also show love is going to look different for every person and also different depending on times of life. And the, the, the thing is, is that if we don't communicate that effectively to the people in our life, they are going to take it personally because they're going to assume that, well, you used to operate this way. Now you're operating differently. Right. And, and Mm -hmm the best more we can do, even when we are really struggling to, you know, to be in conversation and, and clear communication with our people and be like, Hey, I love you. I'm going through a tough time if I'm quiet or whatever it is, or if I'm not showing up the way I normally do, I know that it's going to suck, but here's why, or please try not to take it personally. If you can't really express why, 
even that like helps set the container for, you know, that for that commitment. Because to me, that's even saying I'm committed to telling you why I'm committed to being in partnership with you in this experience, even though I cannot show up in the committed way that my love would like to show up. Right. And that's not something you do with all of your friends, right? It's not like you send that text message to every yes. single one of your friends yes, exactly. just to like shine the example, yeah. like underline it. Like <laughs> that's, that's, I think a really great example. It's like, yeah, there are, and, and some of that, and it's like, when we talk about, I know Amanda, you and I have had this conversation about, you know, hierarchy, but then like, you know, and really trying to understand like, well, how is like a label not essentially hierarchical, but then recognizing that like there's a difference between a hierarchy and then like power and privilege over like your time. And it's like yep. giving, when I found that language, I was like, oh my God, this just like makes so much more sense. And, uh, and I think that's like a similar thing. It's like, we don't just like go down the Rolodex of our friends and be like, you know, okay, like copy paste, copy paste, copy paste. Yeah, exactly. You know, (laughs) which like, I will admit there's been a little bit of that in like the, some of the messaging I've gotten from people post my surgery, just because it's a lot of like, it's the same thing. How are you doing? I'm like, okay, well, update, you know, and then I'll change it up a little bit if it's like, depending on the person, you know, but it's like, I sent the same fucking text message to everybody in my family. (laughs) (laughs) Here's how I'm doing, you know? And then like a couple of them. That's called working smarter, not harder. Yeah. 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 Right. You know, different, so, different. but it's again, like there, you have your select people, you have your inner circle, your chosen family, your partners, whatever you want, language you want to use that is, isn't necessarily a friend, isn't necessarily a sexual pers- partner, but it's like, these are your core people that you've like, there's a committed level of like, I want you to know how I am in whatever yeah. context. Yeah. So I, I think I- that's important. I think too, that we've like overcorrected in some ways. Like I know as a, as a recovering people pleaser, so much of the messaging that I see all the time on Instagram, because Instagram and TikTok know that I'm a recovering people pleaser. (laughs) So they give me these posts that are like, you know, no is a complete sentence. And like the therapist in me is like, okay, obviously like this has far more context. Right. But I think that on a subconscious level, and frankly, for a lot of people who aren't sitting there examining every post that comes across in their feed, that sometimes we can see these really simplified concepts distilled down into this like memeable thing and be like, oh, well, I don't owe anyone an explanation. I can just, I can just disappear. Yes. The pop psychology like bullshit train Mm -hmm. is real right now. Exactly. And it's like, it's not that we owe anyone an explanation. It's that we want to inform the people that we love and who love us about what is going on and allow them to not take it personally or not, right? Like Kelsey, if you and I knew each other pre your surgery and I lived near you and I knew that that week I was going to be like studying for a national licensing exam or something, not giving you that context would just have you be like, where the fuck is Rachel? Totally. But if I was like, Hey, yeah. heads up. Like I'm studying for this exam the week of your surgery. Let's make sure to connect on the other side of it. I'll be yeah. sure to text you that first day. You're not like thinking about it no. during that week. Yeah. And again, it's not that I like would owe oh, you it. that yeah. information, no. but like, I would want to give that. Totally. Yeah. 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 Okay, let's get into some listener questions Woo. because there are many and yeah. I have a feeling that we will not get to them all. Um, but I want to start with this one because I think it's it's important and I know we all have very unique experiences on this one in this space, which is um, 
someone was asking about like your experience with internalized homophobia and how that's impacted your journey as a queer person. I don't know who would want to take that first, but I think we can all relate to this in different ways. I feel like I can, I'll yeah. hop in. Yeah, go. Um, Cause it's, it's something I'm, I'm really dealing with or working through right now. Um, recognizing, you know, I grew up in a, in a Catholic family. I, I grew up being told that it wasn't normal to be gay. Um, and so when I, I didn't come out, I was outed. Um, I was told, Sorry. you know, that's not normal and be discreet. And so I think, <sighs> I think what I've honestly, as, as recent as a month ago, realized was this, like, I listened to that advice subconsciously when I was 19 years old and have tried to not be gay, like not look gay, not appear gay, not, at, you know, not be a part of the queer community, not even use the word queer. Like that was something I reclaimed very recently. So I think recognizing that I felt like there was something wrong with me for for being queer, for being gay, um, has really stifled my self-expression. It's really blocked, you know, my ability to even use my voice, honestly. Um, like even right now, I'm nervous, like shaky. Um, and so I just think really acknowledging it for me and seeing that it's there. Um, because if I just pretended it wasn't, I think that would be more of a detriment to my acceptance of myself. Um, and then just just recognizing and loving the part of me that feels wrong for who she is. Um, and I think through that process of acknowledging it, recognizing that these were things I was told, these were the, you know, the fear that I feel of being disowned or harmed because of who I am, um, are all, they're still in there. It's, it's allowed me to actually release some of that and to find acceptance and love. And I feel more at home in my body and in my skin and who I am now. Um, but yeah, there's still, there's still miles to go. And I think it's just a matter of, for me, it's been being gentle with it and recognizing when I like anything that I have had kind of like stickiness with is really just, is just the fear of, of what happened to me when I was 19, I guess. So mm -hmm. hopefully that answers it. Yeah. <laughs> Kristen, I just want to say, like, I don't know you. We just met. Also, apologies if y'all can, the dogs that are upstairs, <laughs> if you can hear them. Um, but I just want to say thank you for sharing that. And I just want to, like, lift you up. And, like, like it's amazing that you've worked through that fear yeah and like and the shame I, and like I love that you're gay I love that you're queer like it's me fucking too amazing. baby <laughs> hey, and, same. and it's like it's like it should be celebrated constantly and by everyone in your life and like I hope you have some of that and I think you do and like just know like from new person who knows you like it's fucking awesome so I hope that you keep finding ways of celebrating that for yourself Thank you. I'm yeah. also just really proud of you sharing. Have you ever shared that before? Mm -mm. Yeah, I'm really proud of you right now. I just want to say that. Yeah. It's, 
you know, it's interesting, Kristen, having known you <laughs> as like, I've only known you as someone who is gay. Right. I mean, there, there have been other genders around, um, throughout the time I've oh, known yeah. you, like, <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, I, I would have never, I, I had never heard that story before. Um, and I would have never known from how you present so confidently in the world that that was something that you were battling internally. And so I just want to reflect that to you too, that like the, the outward, and it's a good reminder for anyone listening that like someone's outward, um, approach to things and confidence is not necessarily reflective of what's going on internally. Um, because like, I would have been like, Oh, Kristen, super proud to be gay. Like super. Cause that's truly how I experience, have experienced you. Um, so for, for whatever that's worth, I just want you to know that. Thank you. Yeah. In terms of like homophobia or like internalized stuff, I think my experience has been really different. I, um, I think for me, so much of it has looked like biphobia, to be honest. Um, and it has looked like me feeling not worthy of being in part of the queer community when I'm in straight passing relationships, which have existed my whole entire queer awakening knowing, um, and, and really my whole life. Um, I've been in hetero, very heterodynamics and then very hetero passing, um, dynamics. Um, and, and it's been like, how do I take up space or do I take up space in queer spaces? Um, if I am walking in with this partner <laughs> versus this person or this person or whatever it is. Um, and uh, unfortunately, like biphobia and like lack of understanding of bias is still such a big part of, um, it's still, still so prevalent in, in the queer community and just in general um, that it's almost like, well, really it's like, you're really more into whip girls and then gamer boys. It's like, there's this trope, right? Um, it's like, well, no, it's, it's not that simple. Um, and it's not that clear cut. And it's like, yeah, fuck yeah. I love women. I also love non-binary people. I also love trans people. I also love some men. Um, <laughs> um, really, it's like, I don't love the patriarchy and anyone that prescribes to that narrative or need in their relationships are not going to be a partner for me. Um, but that's been the biggest personal struggle. I think both in coming into my own queerness and like even owning oh I'm a queer person because I was just with a cis man for so long that I hadn't even thought to consider it as an option for myself um even though I was like thinking about those things um it was like well that's what just what people do it's like no it turns out not so much (laughs) um but even now like being not in that centered relationship where I was married and like existing in partnerships of all varying kinds and shapes and just being a queer person in in the spaces it's still something I struggle with every day so yeah that's been my experience anyone else want to add anything we don't all have to talk for every question so I think the only I think 
mine is at least more recently. Like I'm, I've never been a person who passes. Like I've always looked very visibly gay as hell. And like, and a lot of that was because I just am a more masculine presenting person. And so people made correct assumptions about me. Not that (laughs) just because you're masculine presenting means you're queer, but like it can very often mean that. (laughs) And, um, for people who are female bodied and, um, and so like, I just like, if anything, it was the like, you know, I, yeah, I grew up in, you know, not a conservative family, but around a lot of conservative people and, you know, grew up in Texas and, you know, it was just like, there wasn't a lot of gay people. And so it was just like finding that community was hard, but I think, and so, but in, so I don't know if like, I've had a lot of internalized homophobia because there's always been the desire to express and like, just find people who I can express with. But I think of late, there's been more certainly internalized transphobia for me. Um, I think my journey in realizing I was non-binary and like sort of like in a kind of and like using the label trans mask and then like what that meant pre-top surgery as a like Mm. very large chested person, like and just sort of feeling like, do I belong to this? Can I claim this identity? Which again, like, I don't know if that's quite transphobia, but like, I think I was sort of like, I don't know, kind of like you, it's like, I don't know what I am allowed to Mm. be here, even though this is who I am. And like, there's something so exciting for me now that I, and like, I, I always felt like on my journey to realizing I wanted top surgery, that there were certain steps I had to take first, which Mm. is like, I don't, and I think that is some internalized transphobia because like, obviously there isn't one specific path to like the journey of a trans person. And, um, and, but I, I don't know. I think my body was sort of still like, no, but there's, I have stuff I got to do first maybe. And, you know, like, and things that I don't necessarily want and things I feel about other trans people, which I feel like is where the internalized transphobia maybe really comes into play. Um, and, uh, and in terms of like sexual partners and other people. And so, and some, and a lot of that has to do with like penis aversion, aversion. <laughs> I'm still a pretty penis averse person. And so, yeah, but I think that's, that's where it's come into play for me. And I'm, I'm really excited to see how that maybe releases itself post my my surgery and I can like work through some of that now that it's like I feel sort of literally unburdened by the weight of my chest but also like getting to literally visibly be different in the world like I just I will look different now and potentially in certain spaces exist in a kind of male privilege that I've never experienced before and that's Mm. another thing I'm going to be navigating Mm. that I certainly don't want (laughs) but um but people are ignorant so there you go um but we'll see yeah I think that's I think that's where it's lived for me thank you for sharing so much about that yeah yeah Yeah. okay this is a big one and I think probably Rach this one might go most to you but also I I can pop in um but just given your given your your work um I, this is something that comes up all the time and so many people ask this question is what is the difference, like the actual difference between bisexuality and pansexuality? So like, let's just fucking quickly talk about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can share my, like what I perceive as it and what I've understood from my reading and knowledge and like experience of of doing this, but also with you being like a sex therapist, I feel like it'd be great to have your- Yeah, you, well. you, you go for it first and then cool. I'll- 
Yeah. So, so I, when I was trying to figure out like if there was an identity marker, which again, we don't need to prescribe to identity markers, but if there was one that kind of fit for me, I was like, is it bi, is it pan when I was coming out? And I I didn't really know about pansexuality a lot when I was first coming out in 2018. Um, And so bisexual just sort of made sense. But then like shortly after I was learning about it and I was like, I guess they're kind of interchangeable, which is not actually true. And again, feel free to fucking correct me. But this is my understanding of it from all the reading I've done. Bisexuality is when you are attracted to folks who are of the same gender as you and then genders outside of that. Pansexuality is when you, it's the same thing. It's under the bisexual umbrella, but it's that you don't have a preference towards gender expression or anything like that. It's not a part of the sexual attraction piece of it it's like regardless of gender expression I am just attracted to folks um that is my understanding of it um I think that there are so many misrepresentations of bisexuality and frankly pansexuality on the interwebs um so yeah I've talked about this a lot um but I'm curious to know your perspective on it and your understanding of it yeah so I actually really like how you describe it. I I I guess want to start with unlike you know words like window or computer that you can look up in Merriam-Webster and have like a very clear like noun and then like the definition <laughs> that these terms don't have that yes. and that is because they are ever evolving, right? So for a long time, bisexuality did mean attraction to two genders, like hence the prefix bi. Um, And that is how it was taken in by a lot of people. Um, There were many people who spoke out even decades ago that were like, Like, yeah, yes. Um, And so there is not one universally accepted definition of bisexuality to my understanding. Um, And what I will give you is the one that I teach along with the one that I teach with pansexuality. Um, Bisexuality is a sexual orientation. And I want to make that distinction between sexuality and sexual orientation. Sexuality has like 14 different facets. Sexual orientation is one of those 14 different facets. So Bisexuality is a sexual orientation that describes someone whose experience, whether that be sexual, romantic, or emotional, they are attracted to people of more than one gender. Just like you said, Amanda, not two genders, but more than one. Um, And pansexuality, same thing, sexual, romantic, and or emotional to any person, regardless of that person's gender assigned sex at birth or their sexual orientation. So for some people, bisexual feels more narrow for other people, pan or for those people, pansexual typically feels more broad. There is definitely um, a falsity out there that bisexuality does not include non-binary or trans folks and that pansexuality does. So there's this like assumption that if it says bi, that that person is only attracted to cis folks, Yes, which is not true true at all. Um, But with any label, just like we were talking about with the fucking word romantic, 
everyone has their own experience of it. And so I encourage people to ask the person who says I'm bisexual, what does that mean to you? That's a great, yeah. Because if they say, oh, it means I'm attracted to men and women. You can say, oh, can you say more about that? Right. And, and figure out, are, are they describing this situation in which they are attracted to cis men and cis women? Is that really what they're talking about? Cause I have found that most of the time that's not the case. Um, so yeah, I, th- those are like the technical definitions, yeah. but there really is no technical definition. And, and I think that like, whichever, and everything's ever expanding. Yes. Yes. And like, that's good. <laughs> like, that's But it can that. also be complicated. And I think like sometimes, especially as, as queer folk, we're sometimes seeking just like a place that's clear yes. because everything in the like mononormative or comp, you know, comp world is very just like, this is clear cut. There's one way. And sometimes it's like, well, I love that I get to like live in this fluid space, but also I want to feel like I have some clarity in it. And so I appreciate you sharing that. Um, and I yeah. hope that, I hope that that clears some things up for folks who are listening, who, who are struggling in that way. Cause I know that was a struggle of mine. Okay. Two more global questions. This one's kind of a toughie and so we can sort of like popcorn, but yeah. So the person asked like, what, is like a queer trope that you're tired of hearing or like something under the LGBTQIA umbrella, like stereotype that you're, you're like over, you're like, this is bullshit. I'm so tired of hearing this. Uh, I'll, I'll I want to fuck up. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I love (laughs) that. I want to fuck everyone. Yes, because you are bi. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because I'm queer, because I'm bi, whatever, whatever, that like somehow that hypersexualizes me, which yeah. like, yeah, I like sex. That's fine. I might be like, you know, on this end of the sexual spectrum, but like, that doesn't mean I want to fuck every person. It's like, I love food. It doesn't mean I like every food. Mm-hmm. I like to eat. It doesn't mean I. Anyway, want to eat all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Or that like, if you're bi that you um, are ready and willing to be anyone's third, like that is Mm -hmm. like, which I also hate that term. So like, we can just toss that out there. I'm sure some people disagree and like that term. That's fine. You do you. I don't. Or that because they've heard that they think that it isn't okay to ask or talk about. becoming a third so like then then if you want to go be a unicorn or a third or an addition to to other people's sexual experience that then there's something wrong with you right that makes you less of a person yeah 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 Yeah. you're like i heard this thing was bad now i want the bad thing like none of it's bad just like talk about it yeah uh I think I'm definitely over the like, you know, who's the man, who's the woman mm-hmm. <clears throat> right? in yeah. any kind, because it's just like completely, I mean, and that's, I'm speaking as a non-binary person, you know? So it's like, I, it's like, there's, that's, I hate gender roles in that way. Like, don't get me wrong. Role play is exciting. Like, that's not what I'm talking <laughs> about, but I think like the, the belief that like, particularly I think as it pertains to two female presenting people like I think is when it really comes into play often 
um, more so than other dynamics. I think it's like this presumed when you see two queer women, typically there's like, oh, okay, who's the man? Who's the woman? Like, Would you not do- say which, that that's which true really... of like a mask and a femme presenting couple? But again, well? I think there's a difference between dom- like between mask and femme, right? I think that it, even in that presentation, yeah, there's this assumption of like, oh, the mask person's the man and the, exactly. you know, and that's because of like gender roles, right? But like, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Now, I think like, like I know as a mask person that like, I definitely lean towards like things that might appear or have been, you know, traditionally assigned to like a man. But like, I think that's actually more about my, like my acts of service love language (laughs) and less about like, I want to be a man because I don't. And so it's like, (laughs) I don't have zero interest in ever being identified as a man. It's not what I want. And it's not a part of my transition. And that's like in no judgment to other people. It's just not what I want. And so, um, but again, that's like, I think that has more to do with just the desire to serve, which can be anyone can serve someone else. Like that's, you know, that's not a, I think that is a mat that can be a masculine quality, but it's not about the desire to be identified as the man in the relationship I would actually like just to play devil's advocate for a second say that I think that the gender expectation of service usually tends to land on not the mask presenting person Hmm. and what do you how do you define service that's, I was just about to say I think it's how you define service (laughs) because when you first said it Kelsey I was like yes and then I was like no. And then I had this whole internal, and as Amanda was talking, I was like, she's going to challenge this. I already went through this. <laughs> but no, you're right. I like that you called me on that. Cause I think you're totally right. I think it like, I think it depends on the definition. And I do think it like it, it fluctuates, which is just re- reiterates my point that that trope should yeah. be abandoned. Cause it's stupid. Yeah, I agree. I think yeah, I people, add- oh. Oh. sorry, Kristen, not important. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, I would add that for lesbians, that we just haven't met the right guy yet or slept with the uh, right guy. Yet. That feels. Yeah. I've tried. I have a hundred percent tried. <laughs> Maybe I haven't met the right one. I don't know. <laughs> oh, as a person who previously identified as a lesbian, like whose sexual experience with men is limited to a hand job that I gave to a guy in college my freshman year. Like I could not have been more uninterested in the experience while it was happening. It was the least exciting thing. And I was like, I'm good. Like versus the sexual experiences I've had with women or with vulva owners, like, fuck yeah. Like no thanks to anything. Yeah. Yeah. This is so funny. I gotta say, if my sexual experience with penis owners was limited to one hand job, I also would be uninterested. <laughs> so correct. Also, I will that, say not to take away from your I've, validity. I really, Kelsey. I've really come into hand jobs my last couple of years. I'm not gonna lie. Like, if there's, <laughs> any, I used to be like, what is the point of these? And now I'm like, I am here for these like <laughs> I think we like come full circle right? yeah. it's like it seems not as exciting and then I was also fed the narrative it's of like, like why people I like had... anal eventually exactly exactly <laughs> Sorry, what were you I saying? still I mean to this day uh, me and not hand jobs, but back to the who's the man thing my my partner Ashley and I 
will still get the comment based on how we dress. Like we both have, we're both objectively speaking, femme presenting people like just textbookly. Um, but the way that we dress and like our energy, I'm a bit more feminine, like, and she's a bit more like I may pick the dress and she may pick the jumpsuit. And people yeah, are like, oh, well, Ashley's clearly, <laughs> clearly the man. Cause you know, the jumpsuit, like it's so we. I'm like, what? It's yeah. Over it. Over it. Yeah. Well, and that also relates to also like the definition of feminine and masculine. Cause I know Amanda and I have had conversations before where she was like, I was feeling more masculine today. And like the thing that you're wearing for me, I perceive as like, this is what you wear every day. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if that's what you're but feeling, it emboldens, then fuck yeah. like, but that it emboldens version something of me totally. inside of me, yeah. which again, like we all, it's so much more fluid than I think we give any of these words credit Absolutely. for. And yeah. yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I love these. These are all so good. Okay. Last question, which I kind of love that we're ending on this, um, which is what has been the most challenging part of being queer for you and the most joyful part of being queer? Yeah. I struggle with these most and most questions. Like, and I ask them all the time and then I try to correct myself. Then a challenging part that is coming to you in this moment, right? Thank you for that permission. For sure. Always. I'm like the most, but what if I think (laughs) of one later that was more most? The the thing that's like biggest (laughs) in your world as you're thinking about this in this moment. Mm. Okay. I know my the most challenging for me was figuring out um, who I was and communicating that to other people. I went through this like really funny, I mean, now it's funny. It wasn't funny at the time. This funny phase of like, I came out as a lesbian and like my family rightfully so was like, mm, mm, mm. But you okay. like, but you like dick. Yeah, like, <laughs> like yeah, sure. I don't think that's right. But yeah. like, they they kind of like knew enough to like not say that, but like I could kind of feel it <laughs> from them, you know. And then like I came back and I was like, actually, I'm not. I'm very straight. And they were like, oh, but like you were definitely just with that woman for a year, uh, and like this kind of like back and forth thing that I had of like. I'm this. No, I'm that. No, I'm this. And um, I remember feeling like self-conscious around being taken seriously and Mm. um, almost like it wasn't okay to, in this case, change my mind. Um, I was obviously lacking vocabulary at the time, um, which was the issue, not my own identity. Uh, But I, I didn't know how to describe it. And so that was such a challenge to me because I felt like an imposter at, you know, a gay bar in West Hollywood, um, depending on like what relationship I was in, because the relationship was dictating my sexual orientation and how, how I was communicating to my family that I was, you know, that year. Um, so that was, that was really hard. And I, it felt awful. And I think that that is the majority of the reason why I didn't come out quote unquote publicly was because I didn't land on words that I could 
share in an articulate way. And then I wound up marrying a cis man. And so I was like, well, that's over, you know? And like, we had talked about non-monogamy. And so I was like, if, and when we do that, then like, I'll readdress it at that point, which is basically what wound up happening. Happened, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was hard. And, and then I think the, one of the most joyous things has been community. Um, you know, I, I never understood why I loved the song Love You Bohem from Rent so much. Mm. I like <laughs> really typically don't like, I don't love things that like so many people love. And Rent was one of those shows that like so many people loved. And I was like, why do I love it so much? Like specifically <laughs> this song. And it was because, and I didn't realize this until like way older, like they're singing about all of these things that are against the grain and queer and in a, in community. Yeah. And it was like everything that I love, which is like boisterousness and like out there and kink and drugs and, you know, it, this like the sarcasm and like flaunt in your face, fuck you ness of that song. Uh, and that to me, like finding other people that give me the internal feeling of that song, that scene and that show um, is probably one of my most favorite, favorite, favorite things about being queer. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, I'm here with you amazing people. Like, I, you know, speaks for itself. <laughs> I love that. I would say... I like the like one of the hardest. Um, but I would, yeah, <laughs> I would say one of the hardest, if not the most, is like living out loud and realizing that I if if I fit into every room that I walk into, I am not being honest with myself and I'm not being honest with the people around me. Um, and that's been really challenging because people pleaser need to be need to be loved fit in all of that stuff um so but it's also been an invitation into courage and integrity so mm. yeah i would say that's the one of the hardest and i think one of the most like joyful things for me is the depth of pure love that i've gotten to experience um because i've chosen to to live authentically in that way and love who I love. Um, and not to say, you know, my relationships with people of other genders aren't pure or any, it's just, um, yeah, I think I've been able to love it, love as purely as I can. And that feels like maybe not everybody is able to do that or um, gives themselves the opportunity to do that because of the world we live in. So, yeah. I think one of the hardest things for me <clears throat> has been dating. Like, to be really honest, grew up in Texas, didn't know a lot of queer people really until, I mean, a lot is relative. Like, you know, most of them I really met post-college. And because really the majority of the people I was surrounded by who were queer were men. It was like gay men. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like I was surrounded by a lot of queer women. And so when I finally met some, 
then there was just this deep desire to be like, are you it? Are you it? Like, you know, I have such a deep desire for partnership and for physical connection on a sexual level. And so like not having that for a long time and for large gaps in my twenties was like really hard and continues to be like, not fun for me. (laughs) And, um, and it's like, I, 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 I feel weird. Like I I have a prickliness about saying that as my answer, because it's sort of like, like I recognize that that is a, that's a need for me, but it's also like a thing that I feel like it can feel surface level. And like, I don't mean it like that. Um, I didn't put it that way at all. Good. No, I just like, but I think I'm more just naming that. Like I'm feeling about it, but, uh, (laughs) even if that's like a thing I should shake off, but, um, yeah, I think I just, it is, I don't know why dating has been so challenging for me. I think I'm a catch and I think everyone should want to date me. <laughs> and okay. so like, it's, and so like the fact that it just doesn't happen as easily is just very frustrating. And so I'm very hopeful that post my surgery now, like things will open up in a way they hadn't before. I don't know why, like not having tits would, but I'm just going to manifest that it will. Um, but yeah, so that would probably, that's probably the, one of the hardest things. And then I think one of the most joyous things is, I mean, in general, coming out as non-binary has been really liberating for me. It led to top surgery. It led to, um, like just really having a deep internal investigation of my values. Um, it, I'd like to believe it was a catalyst to meeting individuals uh one of him is on this screen and um and uh it's rachel and uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) um no yes of course yes it's amanda but um yeah and i think it's yeah it's just been like a very like i've never felt more myself especially now being in the body that i've always wanted to be in and so um yeah i think that's just been oh it's just like euphoric i mean really it's like getting to look in the mirror and see a a person that others have seen for a while, but I have not. And now I'm actually seeing it is like very emotional Um, in ways that I don't really fully describe all the time, but it is. And it's, yeah, it's really, it's, it's very joyful. Yeah. It's been so joyful to see. Um, Yeah. I think for me, it's all centered around belonging. Like, coming into my queerness has both made feeling like I belong even harder in some ways because I am now a part of a community another community because I am a Jewish person um but you know I'm a part now of a part of another community that is oppressed and we're seeing it in the world and really, really scary ways right now that have always been there but feel very very prevalent in this moment um and also not knowing, as I expressed earlier, how and how I belong in the queer community and in the world as a person who loves so many people who look different. <laughs> and so it's like, it's going to feel different based on all of that. Um, but it's also been, that's where my, most of my joy has landed is this feeling of belonging is like, oh, I belong to myself now fully. And I also now belong in the world in the ways I've always, I've always been, but I never really fully understood and knew. And so as I continue to deepen into my own self-understanding and into my relationships as this truest version of me, it's like, 
been really beautiful to feel like, oh, yeah, I belong, you know, um, especially because that's like my trauma and belonging. And so to feel like that exists now um, with myself in the world and in relationships, despite all of the the bull- bullshit and nuance, it's, it's also where the joy lives. So the irony of duality, right? <laughs> Which I think we all can relate to as everyone has to everyone's heads nod. Um, thank you guys so much for this conversation and for just sharing your hearts, sharing pieces of your stories. Um, they're all, like, you all mean so much to me, but I also now know that you will mean so much to other people. Some of you already have been on here and do, and, and will continue to do that. And so just know that like, on this, for the sake of the entire community that is currently listening, just thank you for, for taking the time to talk about these things and being here and sharing your hearts. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And there you have it. Thank you so much, Rach, Kels, and Kristen for coming on the pod and having this conversation. And for all of you listening, uh, for being a part of this conversation with your really thoughtful questions, um, I hope that the things that we talk about um, inspired, instilled, or caused some curiosity within your own experience. Um, maybe it was some of it was validating to hear, um, or maybe some of it was not what you were anticipating and has brought up some questions for yourself. Um, I encourage you to, you know, explore those things with yourself, explore those things in your partnerships, your relationships, in therapy. Um, and I also encourage you, if it feels exciting and good, to reach out. Um, you know, let me know, let Rachel know, Kelsey, Kristen, um, what, you know, things really impacted you or, or things that you you found fascinating. Um, I know I always love that and my DMs are always open um, to have those kind of conversations, um, or just, you know, having those reflections that always is really nice to hear. Um, because this is for you at the end of the day, um, for all the things we talk about in today's episode. Um, and if you want to get into Rachel, Kelsey and Kristen's sphere more intentionally and directly, um, you can just go to the show notes, um, scroll down on whatever, um, you're listening to, or you can go to amandacatherineloy.com slash podcast slash one five nine. And that is it, my loves. Um, Happy pride. Happy pride. Um, I hope that you have found a peaceful way to celebrate um, and honor yourself. And um, if you are an ally, honor those in your life who, um, who are both living their fucking best lives and also navigating a lot of struggles in this time. Um, It's a complicated time to be a person, especially a queer person. And I see you, I'm with you, and I am just really, 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 really hoping that you found some time to to nourish yourself uh, this month. And, And maybe this podcast episode is one of the ways you're doing that, and I love that for you. So, yeah, take a deep breath and... um be all of you because it's beautiful and with that i will see you all on the flip side next time (laughs) bye-bye